Just as the COVID Delta variant has finally started to ease off, officials are implementing stringent new measures like vaccine mandates for school children, which is in turn triggering predictable reactions. And talk about reactions, at school board meetings around the country, parents are erupting in reaction to that and also to racialist theories in their kids' classroom. And then there's a looming new federal response to all that. And to top it off, for totally different reasons, congressional leaders are cowering in bathroom stalls while leftist agitators demand that they get their way on spending and infrastructure and much more. Well, we're going to talk about all that on today's episode of The Independent Outlook. Let me welcome everybody who's joined us today. I'm Graham Walker, coming to you from the Independent Institute here in Oakland, California. We're across the bay from San Francisco, and we get together every couple of weeks to try and give you uh, an independent perspective on the events of the day, especially a perspective I think you're not likely to hear elsewhere. And of course, joining me for the Independent Outlook are my two key colleagues who are experts on everything. First of all, my my uh, dear colleague, David Thoreau, president of the Independent Institute. Uh, hello, David. Good to see you. Hi, Graham. Good to be here. Thank you. Glad you're here. Thanks for starting this enterprise. What, some 35 or is it 36 years ago that you got this going? I've lost track. Yeah. one of the, Around then, <laughs> it's been going strong ever since, and we're grateful. Also, my colleague, Williamson Evers, who is the director of our Center on Educational Excellence. Great to see you, Bill. Glad you're here. Thank you. And of course, uh, we can tell that Bill is a serious thinker by looking behind him to those bookcases. I mean, wow, the amount of learning back there. So some, we're looking some for- of them are, Some of them are reference works. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. We'll keep that in mind. <clears throat> well, okay. He, he only reads the reference works. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. We know that he's well backed up and well sourced. So my, most re my most recent article has 75 footnotes in it. Ho, ho. The footnotes are pretty heavy. Uh, yeah, we should hear about that maybe a little later in this conversation. Um, but first, let's talk a bit about uh, what's going on in America's classrooms. Um, apparently, California officials are ready to require all the K-12 schools to implement a vaccine mandate in order to attend class. Although apparently the mandate is itself contingent upon some final authorizations from the federal government. Uh, and in addition, I just heard on the news this morning, radio news as I was coming into the office, that uh, Los Angeles County has apparently uh, about to adopt a new vaccination requirement to enter into public places in Los Angeles County. You're going to have to show your vax card to get into venues, stores, uh, gyms, arenas, and whatnot. Uh, what's going on here? And what do you think about the part about vaccinating children? Uh, Whichever you wants to start on that, I'd love to hear from you. Well, first of all, this is just like France or something where they have these vaccine certificates, vaccine passports. Now that's what's going on in Los Angeles. And it's, it's kind of crazy because there are lots of places, there's, there's lots of vaccinated people who aren't going to get a severe case. And you know, the unvaccinated should stay away from places that are going to possibly have problems for them. As for the children, children are not getting COVID-19, certainly not in serious cases. Uh, we're, the, the, when they did these studies on this young people having the vaccine, they, they did not 
do a safety check. They just check to see if it produces enough antibodies, antibodies that are similar to when adults have the vaccines. Mm-hmm. So they have the, they have the safety data, and of course, a lot of kids are going to get it. So I guess we'll see if it's unsafe. But this is a brand new vaccine, and if something goes wrong, you know, these children have a long life ahead of them. So it's not really indicated given the lack of severe cases for young people. It's part of the panic and the lockdowns and controls and micromanagement of lives that's going on with this uh, with this pan- pandemic. So I think it's unfortunate that California has decided to be on the leading edge of uh, pushing people around. No, it's, it's interesting, too, because in California, uh, California is apparently doing the best of almost any state at the moment for uh, rates of infection and hospitalization. So yeah. I'm glad for that. Um, and I, I've, had my, I've had my vaccines, and I'm going to have a booster shortly. But it, it's still, you know, the, the, the problem is that this is a seasonal, regional right. Thing that goes in waves, and to say, mm-hmm. you know, the Northeast or California is doing well now, while the South is receding, and so you know, the North is now starting to, Northeast is starting to pick up. So we're just we're in these waves, and I think, you know, California is overdoing it. I think there's just no doubt about that. Uh, David, some people have suggested that there's ethical issues with these mandates. Any thoughts on that subject? Well, Jay Bhattacharya at uh, Stanford agrees with that. Well, a professor at Stanford who's an eminent specialist in this field has said it's unethical to impose this on the children. Right. And and, and the, the clear political hypocrisy at the federal level saying all federal employees have to have it and all people and companies over 100 employees, but not postal workers because they have a strong union. Oh, right. I mean, California, yeah. likewise, uh, except prison workers because they have a strong union. Yep. And I mean, in that case, it's really crazy because the prisoners in the prisons are stuck there and they can't exactly just go outside or <laughs> are trapped with and people. And I should think that social distancing would be a little tough in prison. Well, I don't really know, but all I do know is it seems like a prison would be like a nursing home or something like that where you would want as many people vaccinated as possible. So uh, David had a comment on it's the clearly mandates. a union thing, a clearly a union thing. The mandates are essentially uh, undercutting trust people have in public health officials because they keep on changing their tune. They can see that the claims do not measure up to the facts. Uh, and it looks like it's, it's just a policy to control people for the point of controlling people. And if you don't, uh, if you don't uh, agree, if you don't conform, then you are uh, essentially what a growing number of these people are saying that you're uh, you're the unvaccinated are terrorists. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to be Speak- rounded up and dealt with in some way. Speaking of charges of terrorism, we had a memo from Attorney General Merritt Garland. He who almost made it to the U.S. Supreme Court and is supposed to be. A he man was of, this close. He is supposedly a man of great judicious temperament. 
a, an even-keeled, mild-mannered, sober individual. So he sent out a memo saying that uh, so much bumptiousness is going on in school board meetings that uh, people should report it to the FBI's Terrorism Watch Center. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're setting up a, all the different divisions of the of the... Justice Department, the Criminal Division, the Civil Rights Division, this, that, and the other division, together with the FBI, are going to have a task force on this. They're going to train all school officials around the country and how to combat bumptious meetings and dissident speakers. And they're going to see what tools of federal law enforcement can be brought to bear to, to stop vehement meetings. And maybe to stop, you know, violence or threats, direct threats of violence. But the thing is, that is not a federal matter. There's no general police power in the American constitutional system. The states and localities have police power. Right. They're trying and, to. They're trying to use the Patriot Act. Uh, and, they, yeah, and other they, measures. The uh, National School Boards Association kind of triggered this by. They and the National Association of School Superintendents, District Superintendents, sent, put out various communiques and they, they said, you know, you should use the Patriot Act, you should use the Hate Crimes Act, you should use the Guns and Schools Act, you should mm -hmm. use the conspiracy to take away rights statutes and all these different things uh, to bring to bear to stop the protests about masking, about critical race theory being taught in the curriculum, and about what the schools uh, call equity issues, but which means right. rigid egalitarianism being imposed on the children. Right. You know, so, Bill, I, I actually, like you, I guess, I went and got the, um, the actual letter from the National School Board Association right. here, and I was looking it over trying to see if there's some way I could understand uh, the, the case they were making. And uh, here are my thoughts on, on that uh, letter. That was pretty funny. My, uh, <laughs> my thoughts are that the letter cites a number of instances which um, are, in fact, troubling and may require a, a police response. Yeah, there's the letter, right? So, for example, they, they actually do cite some physical threats. Okay, so, so take care of them. Yeah, yeah but you know, the but physical, I don't need the FBI. They, they, uh, Graham, they claim that some man uh, had a Nazi salute. Yes, they say that. But he was well, they mocking didn't mention, them. He, he was talking to him about them being like Nazis. I right. know, exactly. exactly. Right, exactly. and so this whole thing is contrived. It's really uh, at the behest of the teachers' unions and the administrators and so forth to silence people. So here you have an educational organization and the leadership of these educational units and districts and so forth, saying that free speech will not be tolerated. That's you know, because they say this behavior in these school board meetings is interference with interstate commerce. <laughs> they do say that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because that's the only way they can justify federal intrusion. Yep. And it's a pretty thin, a thin way of doing it. But it but also you know, it, it shines a light on, you know, we've talked about this numerous numerous past independent outlook uh, programs is that progressivism is really authoritarianism. They want to centralize power. 
They don't want dissent. They want the so-called experts to rule over other people uh, and without question. And that's essentially what we're seeing here. And the, of course, as most people know, the lockdowns and shutdowns of these schools uh, and having the distance learning was a eye-opening experience for parents who began it to was. see what right. actually was being mm -hmm. taught in the schools. Right. And uh, it, it's outrageous. They spend school time on trendy left liberal economic and political views, transgenderism, uh, and all sorts of other things which the parents do not support. And it's, it's really a total distraction. Uh, meanwhile, the quality of the schools continues to decline. And the student so, and the children are the, are the people who suffer for it. Mm. So the school boards, the National School Boards Association mentioned such heinous, by the way, they use the word heinous, mm -hmm. things as uh, shouting mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> abuse and name calling. So this is the interference with interstate commerce. Yep. But not only that, they say it's an equivalent to domestic terrorism. Right. That's right. Which is I mean, why they, they do, want all these statutes in there. What you they know, do in their letter is they mix together a few legitimate instances right, of threats right. with a bunch of other things that are merely spirited political engagement. But those engagement. few things are things that could be handled by local law and Absolutely. order. Absolutely. Yes, they okay. could be. Right. So it's, so it's not only this, but uh, they, the thing is that shouting and name-calling and all these different things are all part of the First Amendment. Yes. You don't you don't have a right against somebody using vehement language against you or language that you find unattractive or unpleasant. Mm -hmm. You don't have a right against that. That That's is protected right. speech unless it is a clear, imminent, directed threat at you. People can do it. Okay. The school board association says the problem was that these people were angry. And that that calls for a federal response because they were angry. They're angry because they disagree yeah. with what you're doing on right. masking and critical race theory and equity. Right. So, so Andrew McCarthy, who is an attorney, former federal prosecutor, comments a lot on Fox News and in National Review, made a very good point. And he said, the thing is, they, they really know that they're not, they don't have a federal leg to stand on here. They don't have a constitutional right to be doing this. But as with using the IRS to harass uh, conservative and libertarian nonprofits under the Obama administration, what they do is they threaten to investigate. They mm. threaten, they, they institute some investigations. The burden of anticipating this possible investigation, the burden of, you know, coping with an investigation, if it happens to you, is intimidates you. For, it, it, it's what it prevents free speech and it, it blocks it. And so they're doing something. This is a very unfortunate thing because Merrick Garland, when he was up before the Senate, when they were considering whether to give advice and consent on him, he, he said that he felt that the previous administration, the Trump administration, had politicized the Justice Department too much. I myself, looking at how William Barr handled it, I find that 
the Democrats and Garland exaggerated this. But anyway, he said, I will have no part of this. I understand I am not the president's lawyer. I am the lawyer of the people of the United States. I will not do any political. No. And they get into this opportunity to impose control and they can't resist doing it. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. Just for fun, I just, I mean, just pull up to show you. Here's this morning's cover of the New York Post. See these parents of school boards? Are these domestic domestic terrorists? <laughs> the New York Post asked. Uh, that's the front page. Yeah, that's the front page. Outrageous! FBI targets angry moms, and as I said, they're literally responding to the National School Board Association, complaining that the anger of moms constitutes something that is the equivalent of domestic terrorism. Yeah. Unbelievable. Right. So the. The perspective of the school board and yada yada is that we're in charge and essentially this oligarchy uh, is going to impose the rules and there's no dissent allowed. Mm -hmm. And they've weaponized, they're trying to weaponize these federal agencies to go after people who are dissenting. And they, you know, the view of the public schools being owned by the public is shown to be a total lie, mm -hmm. right? So it's run by the unions, it's run by this oligarchy, including the Washington establishment, and they don't want to have any criticism of critical race theory and et cetera. Not uh, only that, the letter from the National School Board Association says, no critical race theory is being taught in American public schools. Which is just exactly. false. That's right. That is so not true. Not true. And so, again, it's this, it's this arrogance. It's like Fauci and Collins at the National Institute of Health claiming there's no gate-of-function research when they're funding the whole thing and have been doing it for years. And, you know, they've lied. Well, I just, I just right? wrote it. the same just, kind of attitude. I just wrote a paper with Ev Vorman on critical race theory in mathematics instruction in the United States K-12 schools right now, and how it's been coming in over the last decades, certainly since the mid-1990s. So it's just not true. You know, it, they're, they're, I... they're feeling hurt that the accusation is being put against That's them right. instead of mm -hmm. people just accepting what they're doing. Right. But, I thought to myself when I read their claim that it was not being taught, you know, I think that they're trying to be somewhat, you know, fine, fine fibbers here because they, it may be true that critical race theory as a theory is not being taught, but the actual implementation of it is occurring when they force kids to confess their white privilege and so forth. That's critical race theory in action. But Maybe it's not, not only that, theory. it's, it's built into the word problems and stuff and, well, math that too. and things yeah, like absolutely. that. So it's not, it's just, they're being deceptive. I mean, we can just leave it at With that. a straight face. So, you know. But I think, um, but I think it's not. Well, they're self-righteously. They're yeah. self-righteously. They're saying, oh, this is just an arcane thing that's taught in some law schools. Well, excuse me, but as, as soon as it came out in the law schools, people started transferring it into other disciplines. True. Critical race theory in anthropology, critical race mm -hmm. theory in English. Oh, it's everywhere. You know, yeah. everywhere. So it's, yeah, it had its origins in law schools, but so what? That's so right. David, so what? David, 
So uh, this, the arrogance of self-righteousness and quite frankly, the, the fact that critical race theory is false uh, reminds me of a quote by C.S. Lewis, uh, which I'll just pull out a, a few uh, sentences. He says, quote, of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. Mm. So uh, true. This very kindness stings with intolerable insult to be cured against one's will and cured of states which we may not regard as disease is to be put on a level of those who have not yet reached the age of reason or those who never will to be classed with infants, imbeciles, and domestic animals. And it's this, it's this kind of uh, arrogance and dismissive quality of a sort of ruling uh, group uh, this political class, getting back to Angela Cotovia, um, that people are seeing. And, and it's shocking to see the extent they're willing to uh, essentially double and triple down on it. I think a lot of it is also motivated by the fact that uh, this uh, blob, this oligarchic existence, was so shocked when Trump won and was overturning many of the sacred policies and certainly arguing against many of the sacred narratives was so shocking and horrifying that they are, they're on hair trigger and they're, they're willing to go to extreme measures to shut it down because they're afraid they will lose control so it's, it's and that will be the end of their ability to implement these policies. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. David talks about the arrogance and the self-righteousness, it's interesting. There's all this big budgetary and fiscal and debt crisis going on in Congress. And you see this manifested in the attitudes there. So you have the debt limit. So there's a limit to how much the United States government can borrow, and they're about to run up against it. And the Democrats have the votes to do this through reconciliation, but they don't want to do that. The reason why they don't want to do it is one, they don't want to assume the responsibility for expanding the debt. Yes. But the most important reason is if they go through reconciliation, you can pass amendments or you can bring up amendments and force people to vote up or down on the amendments. So somebody can take this giant package that they want to have passed without any scrutiny of the parts and say, oh, I want to, I want to take out um, you know, one thing or another of all the controversial things in there and demand a vote on that specific thing. And all, not the, for political reasons, the politicians, of course, shy away from any tough vote. So they might, you know, the president even acknowledged this in his speech chastising the Republicans. He says, you're going to make us vote a hundred times on the issues. Well, you know, so they should. What are they being paid for? Well, they'd rather hide it in an omnibus presentation. Yeah, exactly. And, and none of these and people so, have read the whole measure anyway. That's right. So that's the debt thing. And then they have the the infrastructure, which is way too big anyway and filled with uh, borderline topics and so forth. And then they have the $3.5 trillion social policy build back better bill. 
And I'm getting looks, confused. There's so many trillion dollar uh, packages. Oh, I can, my I packages are getting confused. So yeah. they're talking about means testing, maybe the education thing. So that's free preschool, free college, on and on. So these things, they might means test. So, uh, so Manchin said, I want everything mean tested. I want it 1.5 trillion, still a lot to all the three of wow, us. Wow, I'll say. And, uh, you know, I, and so they're talking about all kinds of gimmicks. You know, we can front load the money, but back load the spending or front load the spending, back load the taxes. Mm -hmm. There are all kinds of tricks they're trying to do. Just get our foot in the door with the program. We can expand it later. So we'll see. As the Wall Street Journal said, watch the programs. Programs are more important than the money. So watch what programs they try and lock in so that they become entitlements and we can never get rid of them. But I think the spending is no trivial matter either. No, that's right. Right. And uh, so some people are referring to it, uh, the whole measure from Biden is build back broke. <laughs> and that's a good one. So I, I think that uh, more and more people are beginning to see that this is a scam and uh, it's going to put themselves and the economy and their children, their grandchildren in serious risk. Uh, things that people have expected, like uh, produce that's delivered to supermarkets and reasonable prices uh, for anything, housing and food and so on. Uh, are already uh, increasing at a very disturbing rate. Right. And, uh, and nobody seems no explanation. to want to talk about... Oh, there is an explanation. The broad money supply is right, but there's growing no, there's, like crazy. There's no actual accounting right. that's been shown of how they're going to fund this. And that's why oh. they're claiming it costs zero. That's amazing. That's right. so amazing. They're, they have preposterous ideas about all the unpaid taxes that they're going to squeeze out from someplace. And then they yeah. think they're going to be able to tax the rich without the rich trying to figure out how to not have to pay some huge additional burden of tax. The rich will pay tax consultants. Right. So there's That's a push. They do. There's a push to get the Treasury, or maybe it's the Fed, yeah. I forget, to issue a trillion dollar platinum coin. Yeah, I think so. They just sort of put they, you know, they set the price of the coin at a trillion, and everything clears. Right. I mean, it's amazing. The that thing they think, is that will that will so look so clownish and foolish yeah, right. on the so part of the clownish. United States. I yeah, don't think they're going to do that. I don't think so either. But it, it, it's amazing how many people were pushing for it. Oh, a lot. That's right. So yeah. when all the kayaks were coming up around Senator Manchin's boat in the Potomac uh, Harbor where he moors it, and they were upset with him. Um, David, or maybe Bill, but probably David, you can tell me what exactly is their gripe with Senator Manchin? I mean, he wants trillions of dollars of spending too, right? He has indicated that he won't go for the, the current measures as Bill has, has so well described them. Uh, the attack uh, on Senator Cinema in uh, Arizona, which is going to the ladies' room, it's the same kind of tactic. And they're trying to basically say, you won't be safe. Uh, we will go where you go, and we will not just embarrass you, but put you in a threatening situation, embarrassment, yeah. but certainly uh, in the aftermath of the riots, uh, not this summer, but the previous summer was an indication right. of what mm -hmm. they will then claim are peaceful protests, legitimate right. expressions, as 
Kamala Harris and, and uh, Biden. Part of the, the process office. as a president. So. Part of the yeah, process. But, but these are That's Democratic right. senators, these two. I mean, these de- I are Democratic yeah. senators not, whose election not, was celebrated by- It's not like BLM protesters roughing up Senator no. Paul. No, these are fellow Democrats. The yeah. person who attacked in the restroom said, well, we went, we, I, I'm not sure she was telling the truth since she was a New Hampshire field director for Bernie Sanders, but we want, rang doorbells for you. We voted for you. Yeah. Now you have to do what we say. Well, okay, that's an interesting theory, but yeah. I, both Cinema and Manchin did not pretend when they were running for office that they would behave any differently no, from they the didn't. way they are. They both mm-hmm. ran as moderates, even though Cinema has a left-wing background. She indicated clearly that she had evolved from that and that she was more in the center of the party. And the same thing is even more true of Biden. Biden did not did not run uh, as a member of the squad no, or, or these measures. He distanced himself from Sanders and uh, people who but, voted for him and the media coverage claimed he was a moderate. And and we needed someone who is an adult, allegedly, to bring everybody back together. And but, the opposite now, is what's happening. Right. And the New York Times acknowledges extremely clearly in a, in a news story or news analysis, depending on how you want to describe it. It said, look, when he met the last time with the members of Congress and he would not push to have the infrastructure bill, bill voted on right away, he clearly indicated, or he has been equivocating between whether he was a centrist and a leftist, he said, I'm siding with the left by not you know, but did." That. Did you notice, though, the Hyde Amendment angle on this? Yes, there Senator is a Hyde Manchin, Amendment angle on it. This is, to me, extremely interesting kind of multidimensional political chess because yeah. Senator Manchin has mentioned repeatedly that he thought the he Hyde wants Amendment it in there. is a pretty good idea. Yeah. And, 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 and is, Joe Biden had supported the Hyde Amendment for decades until he right. wasn't supporting it. Yeah. And the left hates the Hyde Amendment because so it we doesn't need to remind. The remind it's federal funding of abortions. Right, right, and, exactly. And that, it prohibits that. And that also goes back to Bill's point about why they're against uh, the reconciliation, because these kinds of separate uh, pieces will separate have to be pieces voted will on. come up. Exactly, they will. and and the, the left wants a uniform block that will just accept the Green New Deal and all this other stuff. Right, uh, and th- I mean this. These measures, even the smallest ones that are being proposed, are gargantuan. The federal government already is gargantuan and is doing all sorts of harmful things. But the- uh, and that they think that, again, uh, it's this amazing view that if you socialize things, at some point up there in the future, we're going to reach this point of harmony. And everything's going to just flow. The energy will be great, and the, mm-hmm. the housing will be great. And Dream the will be of great. coercive utopia. Yeah, it'll be it, the age of Aquarius. Yeah, it's the it, age of Aquarius. And so it it it's totally naive, but that it's a it, it's really a, it's a secular, religious, political view that Salvation people get other. caught in, and it gives people Have meaning. Yeah. So well, it's here, interesting, though. At the same time that this is all going on, uh, support for progressive politics is going down the tube. So there's two things that indicate this. There was a long story by Nate Cohn, who's the technical master for the New York Times on voting. Mm -hmm. And he said, look, the Democrats are losing blacks. They're losing Latinos. They're losing Asians. They're losing the young. These are people they count on. Mm -hmm. 
And today's New York Times, they had another story about the industrial Midwest. And they said that the Democrats are losing all the small towns in the Midwest that have been sort of de-industrialized. Mm-hmm. The factories are Former dying Former factory out. towns. Former yeah. factory towns. And it said they will not be able to carry these Great Lakes states unless they turn this around. The report, which was from a Democrat, you know, leaning group, said, had no solution. No solution. <laughs> Mm-hmm. know what this is mm-hmm. um, you know obviously if they got out of the way of commerce and industry the market would bring prosperity back there are trained people with, that still live in these areas but they're hobbling everything and so they shouldn't be surprised that people are frustrated irritated angry worried and are voting against the policies that are preventing prosperity and we're also seeing this uh, in reference to uh, Biden's disapproval rating, yes. mm-hmm. which is is really tanking. I mean, yep. disapproval. I mean, the disapproval is really going up. His approval rating is tanking. Right. And, and right track, wrong track for the country is going right. Down. Exactly. And uh, this growing movement, uh, going back to the school board uh, issue, the school board meetings, is spreading like wildfire. And so in California, where you have Governor Newsom trying to impose vaccine mandates on school children to both public and private schools, it's basically uh, a signal to his union backers that he's going to do their bidding. Uh, There are a couple of interesting things about it. One is it's really folly because uh, on the one hand, they think, well, the parents have no option then. They can't go to private schools. But the uh, the number of people who are looking into homeschooling is just absolutely skyrocketing. It's going through the roof. Their their platforms the are cracking. Right. They cannot so, handle the number of calls and electronic right. communications. Coming. So these homeschool networks are are just exploding in popularity. But the other thing that's interesting is that the only way that Newsom can impose these mandates is getting FDA approval for these different vaccines. One of which is from I think age. Uh, 12 on, is that is that right? I think that's right. And yeah. the other one is for under 12, which is basically seventh grade, I guess. And that vaccine doesn't even exist. So uh, it, it's a lot of um, smoke and mirrors and politicking and uh, throwing your weight around when you don't really have anything to base it on, just like Garland is doing in trying to scare all these mm-hmm. parents to back off. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's interesting that David is saying that this is spreading like wildfire, the discontent in the school boards and with the parents. So Roger Kimball, who's a major cultural commentator, uh, conservative, associated mainly over the years with the new criterion, but just a general cultural commentator. So he had a column in which he said, October 4th, 2021, will go down in the history with journalists and historians as the day that marked the downturn for the Biden administration. This mm-hmm. is the day that Marlin, this is Merritt Garland's yes. uh, memo. And he says, right. this is going to be the tipping point right here. Hmm. So I don't, you know, who knows, but it does seem like it is creating serious popular unrest. I think so. I think the the, the first big tipping point was the 
uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan. The mishandling of it. The, mis yes. the total mishandling of it. I think that, and you could see it in the polls, and things just started to plummet from that point mm -hmm. on. But now this is spreading right. uh, in a way that they cannot control. Yeah. And, and I think uh, the, the they public think is, the public is seeing these trillion dollar figures yeah. and is starting to get cold feet. That's right. And they're seeing the prices go up and all these other factors. Um, but if, if it's a threat to their, to their children, uh, watch out. That's right. And so well, I think- Mama bears, mama bears, papa yes, bears, going to right. be very unhappy. Yep, that's exactly. Right. I mentioned a few moments ago the Hyde Amendment angle. I just want to come back to that briefly because I heard on the news, either it was last night or this morning, that President Biden, who long supported the Hyde Amendment and then opposed it, mm -hmm. um, has announced that he is now willing to include the Hyde Amendment in the package, mm -hmm. apparently because it'll get Senator Manchin on board and get him to the majority he wants. And so I think what you see here is a, a little bit of a playing of these cards against one another, yeah. suggesting to me that even though abortion is almost a, you know, a sacred principle to the left these days, and it seems to have been to President Biden, the principle or the aim of control through this massive spending and regulation and the implications of it may be a higher goal than even abortion because he's willing to sacrifice abortion to get the money and to get the programmatic controls and expansions. To me, that seems kind of ominous, actually. I think it well, is. We'll but see. I, we'll uh, see because some of the yeah. left may balk. They need oh, every I vote. I know they do. Yeah, That's they right. Really and do. also, the, this hasn't stopped the Department of Justice going out, filing lawsuits against the state of Texas. Right. That's right. Uh, so I, I think they're trying to mix yeah. it up a little bit. They have it both ways. Right. And yeah. also, they're also thinking of, of uh, pro-life constituencies, especially Catholic Democrats. Right. And, uh, you know, they see the, what's happening in the polls and they're, they're just trying to do whatever they can. And of course, Biden knows that he's thrown his weight behind this gargantuan spending and controls right. and all this other nonsense. Uh, and if it doesn't go through, what, what do they have? Can I uh, give us a moment of comic relief before we go on? Uh, it's a moment of comic relief because there's this fascinating recording of President Biden from day before yesterday uh, talking about how uh, there is this opposition growing and Senators Manchin and Cinema are getting, you know, lots of static and attack and so forth. Peter Ducey of Fox News asked about the treatment of the two senators, and he said, uh, well, it's sort of typical these days. The only people who can escape it are people, ha ha, like me, who have a secret service to protect us. That's what he us. said, yeah, and, right. And then he said, it's just part of the process. I don't really approve of it, but it's just part of the process. And so you should accept it because this is the process. What I found odd, though, is that he, President Biden says that it's part of the process to have people harangue you while you're in the bathroom. But, but he's sending his attorney general to tell parents that they can't speak angrily at school board meetings. Right. I yes. think there's something weird going on here. And what, what if the press corps got up after his talk when he refuses to take questions and walks off the, the podium and they followed him in further into the White House and just you know, haranguing him? I don't think that he would, would be very That would be approve. very exciting. <laughs> I think he would be very happy about that. Civility so, is, uh, is an important thing that should never be it really a bridge. Is, right? But, you know, there's a point where uh, at these school board meetings, these these boards uh, are simply not responsive and they're dismissive. And what was the, was it loud and counting where they cleared the whole room with the police? Yeah. 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 
So there's some other interesting things that are going on out here. Uh, one is this whole controversy over Facebook. Another that struck me as not probably something that people picked up on the radar was the arrest of the former president of Georgia in the Caucasus when he returned home. And the last is some of this uh, collusion stuff, some of this Durham stuff. What is happening? I don't know if we can get to all of these things, but let me do the Georgia thing. Since yeah, do the, the Georgia most, thing first. The mm -hmm. most obscure. So this, this man uh, had the presidency. After Shevardnadze, this man became president. He has a Georgian name that I can't pronounce, but it ends in Gashavali, like many Georgian names. Sakavashvili. There we go. <laughs> okay, thank you. And uh, he was a fascinating guy. He favored the rule of law. He cracked down on corruption. He tried to bring in business. He uh, regularized taxes. He may have ended up with more taxes than the government was previously collecting, but that aside, he tried to defend freedom of the press. He may have been a bit heavy-handed in some of the anti-corruption stuff, and that may be partly what's coming back to bite him, but I think it's mostly just resentment by the former beneficiaries of corruption that he's decided to return. He actually went and worked in the Ukraine trying to end corruption for quite a while. And uh, so here's a guy who, in many ways, uh, has classical liberal values, and he's being arrested uh, when he returned home to his country. So that's kind of a unfortunate development that's not really being noticed in the wake of all the many, many things that are going on in the world. And uh, not far from the debacle in Afghanistan. Right. Right. So dissent in Georgia is not tolerated. Right. Right. Yeah, stunning. Stunning. So the uh, the issue of Facebook, uh, I'll just throw yeah. in one thing, is that yeah, there's, there's that. this whistleblower, right? this woman, and her complaint was not that Facebook was censoring people or deplatforming or whatever. She wanted them to do more. Much more. Right? Much more, right. She, because, she, and she even showed how she could do it herself. <laughs> so she said, this is, you know, so Instagram is mainly a picture thing. And so some people, particularly teenage girls, apparently compare their looks to other people's looks. Mm -hmm. Now, I personally think this has been going on for time immemorial. Yes. I mean, men <laughs> seems say, likely. men say, gee, I don't look as great as Cary Grant, you know? Uh, and women have the same phenomenon. They have, models of beauty and they say, well, I don't live up to that. And they're not completely happy about that. But to blame electronic means for this, it just reminds me of people blaming juvenile delinquency on comic books in the 1950s. I mean, you know, it may have some minor influence on it, but that's not a reason to forbid comic books. And uh, so, you know, as David's pointing out, this, this lady wanted additional heavy-handed editing, my Facebook of all, all sorts of posts. It's, it's, I don't know, you know, as they, as Facebook has gotten into doing editing, 
it <clears throat> increases the demand on everyone's part for more editing. Mm -hmm. And the old face, old freewheeling Facebook that we used to have is going to be slowly disappearing over well, time. Yeah, we, we had a freewheeling Facebook. And I think, David, you have explained some of this to me before, and it might be worth a brief a reminder. Uh, one of the reasons for the freewheeling character was because Facebook was granted special immunities, were they not, by the Federal Communications Act. Uh, what's the best solution for that, David? I think you just repeal the immunity. I mean, newspapers well, don't have it. Magazines don't have it. Channel 4 doesn't have it. Facebook 60 Minutes it. doesn't have it. Why should these other media have that? Well, the, but, origi I mean, the original protection was uh, allegedly because it was a new field and they, they wanted and to. And it was because they were a platform. Yes. Not really a publisher. But right. They're but getting more and more into that, yeah. driven by. Right. If they're editing, they're a publisher. Right. Well, no, but I'm going to just okay. have, you, ask you, us to step back a little bit. Okay. And good say that libel laws and slander laws, which is the main thing to get protected against. Uh, are just, they're often, so the idea is you're entitled to the reputation you want to have, okay? That's the original idea in, in English law. And then it was, then, then truth began to be something of a defense, except for malicious and all, there's all sorts of different permutations of it. But the, but the point is, it's asking you you know, I, Bill Evers, I have a right to what you, Graham Walker, have in your mind about me, or that David hasn't right me. There's a Which, lot of, of course, problems is ludicrous. So there's a lot of problems with it, and it it also means that they would have to monitor every post. Well, you know, I just don't see it. So it would essentially destroy it as a platform at all. Well, just my point simply, and the, the argument is, have it as a platform. If they want okay. to be a publisher, have that be part of it too. But why should they have a special exemption that no other media has? Well, give it to the other media. Well, that's, that's the idea. Is that you, in other words, giving it, it, it was given the special privilege of limited but I, liability but I don't, I don't because view they, it, as, it was I don't a platform. View it. I don't view it as a special privilege. I view the people having the special privilege as the people who don't want their reputations tarnished. Then why? Words, why they're, like, they're like the school boards. Yeah. The school boards are complaining that someone is yelling, that someone is discontented, mm -hmm. that someone is name calling. Okay, that name calling is the same complaint that these people have against Facebook. Oh, somebody is complaining. Somebody is name calling. Somebody is shouting. I don't like that as a basis for a free society. I agree. But my point is that then you need to apply to newspapers and magazines. I want it. I want it. Yeah, well. Or at least, at least take the libel and slander laws and much more carefully tailor them to... I'm not against that. I'm just, I'm complaining that they're given special privilege and then they receive huge subsidies from the government to do the government's bidding. The subsidies thing is a, is a separate question. We can say no subsidies, right? But, but we can but we can also say that we don't want what both the left and the right are currently pushing: misinformation. You're not allowed any misinformation. You're not allowed to be un, allow incivility. You're not allowed to 
name call during political campaigns. This is what we're going to get. I, I don't the disagree. The libel though. stuff is going to be either impossible to police, and so they're just going to ignore it, uh, or it will shut the whole thing down. Right. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. What I'm simply saying is that if you have a system in which the government is heavily subsidizing, and it's not just Facebook, it's Amazon, it's Twitter, it's Google, and so on. I and then, that. and then at the behest of those in power, the oligarchy, they want certain people deplatformed. Right. There's no doubt. Like There's President no doubt. Trump. Trump. Trump was deplatformed. Was it because of something he said? No, it was because they didn't want him to be visible. There's no doubt that Facebook is allowing itself to be pressured yes. by left-wing politicians and activists. And it's even saying, do it to us more. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I would add that in its statement in response to this whistleblower thing, Facebook begged Congress to regulate the Internet. Yes. So why, you know, you think, oh, well, my view of business is that they don't want regulation. No, yeah. this is a gigantic established company. If they can get a regulatory apparatus in that's, you know, one that they can live with, then they will be able to use that as a barrier to entry for any upstart company. Absolutely. They right. will not be able to have the lawyers or the skill to get through this or the burdens of just complying may be too expensive for anybody to get off the ground. So they, they're all for this. Hey, throw me in the briar patch, Peter. <laughs> That's right. And Zucker, Zuckerberg, said. Zuckerberg has long been in favor of some sort of federal entity that would set these regulations, which of course means, as you're saying, Bill, the regulated essentially capture capture um, the, the entity process. and they essentially write, write the rules. That's what the FDA does. That's what CDC does. That's what they should. It's the whole origin of the right. regulatory state Absolutely. under the progressive movement. The administrative the state. Century. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's what mercantilism is. Okay. So can you uh, comment maybe here in the last bit here, Bill, about this interesting piece you drew to my attention earlier from The New York Times by Ross Dothat, oh, um, yeah. where he says, cheer up liberals, you have the America you wanted. What was the point of that? Uh, I was kind of intrigued by that. Well, he says he has several different things. One is, he says, um, the old automatic America policeman of the world thing has kind of gone away. He kind of misses it, I think. But anyway, he says, hey, that's one of the things that present day liberals wanted. They've got it. And he goes into some other stuff. And lastly, he says, the big spending regulatory state that uh, you know liberals have been asking for, they've got it. Manchin is to the left of President Obama. Right. And so why are liberals a bit in this despondent? Uh, they're despondent. They're kind of in a funk. They're kind of in a dark mood. Well, maybe they don't like what they've created here. <laughs> maybe they got what they asked for. And they're complaining. That's the point of the column. Yeah. The op -ed column. And I think there's uh, truth to that. But I also think that they uh, are afraid they're going to lose it. Yeah, and oh, they are. He, in his column, he's also wrong about liberals wanting 
disengagement of military operations around the world. Liberals have been the people who progressives created this in the first place, and they've pushed it for a decade. I agree, but that is what he was saying. That is what he was saying. And uh, he also made the comment in the other piece uh, that you drew to my attention uh, about how the uh, there's a strange reversal of roles in politics these days. Oh, yeah. On Very COVID. interesting. Yeah, on COVID yeah. and maybe some related things in that the, the left used to be uh, celebrating the frisson of yeah. resistance to authority. Right. <laughs> uh, and now when those in authority are requiring masks, vaccines, and critical race theory, suddenly the tables have turned and yeah. the left now is against resistance to authority, no longer celebrates it. This is a very strange turn of events. From, right. So um, he, wrote, he wrote this columnist, uh, The Weird Politics of COVID-19. But there's a fun, funny cartoon that's circulating and it has two Volkswagen buses one is from uh, late 60s, early 70s, and it has peace symbol on it. And it says, resist authority, mm-hmm. up here is authority. We, we won't obey, resist, whatever on it. And the other is from the present day. Obey authority, put your mask on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We love the FBI. Right. We, uh, we, we celebrate the, the CIA, uh, Brennan, whatever. So it's sort of showing, it's showing one of several possible things. One is maybe somebody was insincere and all they really wanted was power. And now that they have it, they don't want anybody resisting. Mm-hmm. Or it may be that people are getting older and they are getting conservative and grumpy and something. Uh, yeah, it could maybe. Be any number. Anyway, it's a funny cartoon. <laughs> I mean, the, the whole the whole situation does, I think, drive home a, a, a very important point from a philosophical point of view, which is that a commitment to a, a civic order uh, structured by law and right. privileging individual liberty is a very hard thing to attain. And it requires a very careful cultivation of allegiance because and people are always slipping off. Yeah, they always is, want an exception for themselves. Exactly. And, and therefore, holding on to the advocacy of the rule of law and protection of individual liberty uh, is uh, constantly requires effort because people, they, they want to misuse it. They, Eternal they vigilance. Like the rules. Eternal mm-hmm. vigilance is the price of liberty. Exactly. Why don't we say something about, did, did we in the last segment say something about Angela Cotavia? We did, yes. but a little more okay. might be said here at the end. I think some more could be said because there was a very uh, extensive uh, obituary for him in the New York Times, which I thought, you know, it wasn't friendly, but it certainly made a serious effort to expound yes. his views. Maybe, David, you would like to talk about this. Well, it, it talked about, uh, and, and also the, the article that was in uh, uh, thepipeline.org. Right, I think that was, was even, excellent. was even better. More friendly, yeah. obviously. So I, I was surprised they actually did the uh, obituary in the New York Times. Um, but basically, they traced his uh, development of his ideas and what led him to um, describe the American political system as not a democratic system, but one that is broken into these two groups, the political class and the country class, and uh, that the country class continues to grow and the political class is not happy about it and and they try and crack down, that alienates more of the country class. And uh, uh, and it relates to what we were just talking about a minute ago. Um, 
Robert uh, Nisbet uh, did a book called The Twilight of Authority decades ago. Right. And his book uh, is sort of in a Alexa de Tocquevillian sense that authority in society properly understood is one of civil order and uh, mediating structures. And, and also deserved authority. Yes. Earned authority. Earned authority. Authority that comes from roles you're playing, yes. from expertise you have, expertise yep. you've learned, experience that has made you a master or a mistress of your trade or your craft mm. or whatever. And that's one kind of authority. And then there's other kinds of authority, like heads of industrial cartels or <laughs> government figures or one thing or another. And the, the latter are encroaching and trying to take away and dismantle the natural authority. Right, the sort of natural law reality of a society, especially a free society. Yeah. And you have all these different, uh, essentially voluntary and contracted organizations and, and mores and values and so forth, churches and what have you. Right. And so Cotavilla drew on that and uh, basically was showing that there is a natural law uh, karma, you might say, that uh, can likely, and is creeping into Western, the Western world, especially the United States, that the more that this ruling class or political class pushes, because their, their vision of centralized authority doesn't work, and it creates all sorts of cultural and social and economic problems, people can see that. And so uh, he uh, really became one of the most uh, I would say he brilliant. He became a kind of political sociologist. Yeah, political right. sociologist, very much in the, the tradition of classical liberal analysis of political systems. So, and, so one, and just brought a, a modern take on things that people had not had uh, clarified. He connected the dots for people so they could see that not only is there something wrong, and the oligarchy is misguided and desperate and foolish and so on and so forth. But there's a way out. There's far more of the country class than the political class. And they're so, getting clued in. And that, so the, the rebellion of the school board uh, administrators, right. they don't want the country class to speak up. Yeah. They challenge their authority. Yeah. And so, so it was interesting. In the New York Times obituary, it, it pointed out that, of course, lots of people uh, have in the past pointed out different social groups, different mores, different views of etiquette, different kinds of dress that people have, different schoolings and school backgrounds and all this sort of stuff, as well as industrial groupings and, and all this multitude of things that are been talked about by sociologists for de for decades, centuries, whatever. So it, uh, and the New York Times says, and he of course continued this, uh, but he linked it to the huge growth in the modern state, the modern big government. And that what was somewhat unusual uh, was to have somebody bringing all these th threads together. And they made, that made to be a distinctive in right. their mind. So the original article he wrote on this, it's quite a long article, it's in the American Spectator. Right. And it got such attention from many people, not the least of which was 
uh, our just retired senior fellow, Robert Higgs, who was a big champion of Cotevilla's work and wrote a number of pieces about it, um, that um, Angelo did a book right. by extent, extending it, and his subsequent writings have uh, very, uh, I, I'm not sure creatively is the right way, but very in, insightfully connected dots so people could see, you know, why is this happening and what does it mean and, and the wokeism and whatever. Right. Uh, so and he, that, so I mean, if you go back to Ross's column that you mentioned, Ross, yeah. uh, you know, he's talking about what's wrong with you liberals? You've got all these things, you know, the cultural yeah. left is one with gay marriage and all these other things. Right. Transit, you know, CRT is spreading right. and so on and so forth. Why aren't you happy? Why aren't you happy? And uh, I, so I think that Angelo's response to that is that it's, not, it's unworkable. Right. Many of these things. It's a, the soul is going to be distorted, and yes. so you're not going to be too happy, actually. Right, you and you're 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 trying to fill that that hole in your heart, so to speak, uh, that you're seeking meaning with right. uh, things that are a fantasy, and they will not yeah. do. So they, they, won't, get, they won't do the job. Right. So you get more and more desperate, and so you're not going to be happy. Well, I think the world will lost an interesting guy there. I knew him quite well when he was at Hoover Institution. And of course, he chose to work with the Independent Institute quite a bit uh, in recent years. Right. Yes, we're grateful for what he did, and we want to try and carry on his legacy. Uh, and I would just remind all of our friends who've joined us today that you can always go to our website, uh, independent.org, for a lot of resources on the subjects that we've been talking about today and much more. And I think with that, unless either of you have a final word or prediction for the, our friends, we may draw it to a close. David, final word. The only thing you? I will mention again, I've mentioned this before, is in reference to our discussion about the forced vaccines and masking of children and so forth, and the disillusionment of parents for that reason and for the pathetic situation of the schools not teaching and what they're teaching is phony baloney, whatever, is this book, Really Good Schools, could not be more timely because it shows what can be done. And uh, uh, we're uh, grateful to James Tooley for seeing through a lot of this muck and uh, developing and doing research for years around the world of how the poor and everyone else can create schools that are actually quite functional, are quite inexpensive, and don't go off in these crazy tangents. And do better than the government schools. Right. Uh, thank you very much, David. Thank you, Bill Evers. Thanks to all of our friends for joining us. We do invite you again to visit our website, independent.org, and join us again next time in a couple of weeks for the next episode of Independent Outlook. Take care, everybody.